Thanks to the band for that. <laughs> um, we're going to kick the lights up. And uh, if you would, go ahead and turn to Second Peter chapter 3. We're going to get there eventually. I'm about to walk this tightrope <laughs> as an illustration. So, we've been in a series about attributes of God and... Uh, Many of the songs that we have sung tonight and uh, will sing uh, over these few weeks have been a lot of just big songs about uh, the uniqueness of our God. And um, we began the series looking at what it means that God is holy and uh, just his separation from everything, um, <clears throat> from all that has been created, from the impact of sin, from uh, just everything about him being holy. And then from there, just different attributes that uh, are kind of within that holiness. They're uh, saturated with holiness. That because he is holy, there are just some things about him that are different than us. And uh, so we've just kind of been walking through some of those things. We looked at, um, like I said, we started with holiness. We looked at uh, God being independent, that he doesn't need anything. He doesn't come up short. He doesn't, uh, he's just not needy. Um, but he, but he chooses us, and he chooses certain things. But it's not because he's lacking. Uh, he's completely independent. Last week we looked at, at his unchangeable nature, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, in, his, in his character, in his promises, his purposes, things like that. Um, tonight we're going to talk about one that, that for me, just in my own personal understandings of God, really, really helpful um, in kind of informing all the other ones. And we're getting to a point where it's starting to make sense that all these attributes, apart from each other, they sort of make sense. But when they're all together, they kind of all inform the other ones and they empower uh, the other ideas and kind of help explain things. And so tonight, it's the fact that God is, is eternal. That he is, uh, there's no beginning, there's no end. It's just always been him, always will be him. And in just in his being, uh, in his relation to time, especially, uh, there's just it's just completely different, and so um, that's the aspect of his eternal existence we're going to focus on is kind of how, how he relates to time, how we relate to time, and this uh, intense setup here is going to be is going to function as kind of a timeline. Um, and so, in order for us to talk about God being eternal, uh, first we're going to kind of talk about our, our own human experience with time and kind of how that works. Uh, so, pretend that this is a timeline. Um, we experience time in a, in a linear sense, you know, moment by moment. So, I have some clothespins here that are going to represent things. And just don't give me a hard time about how far apart I space these things, or, you know, don't, don't overanalyze the illustration too much, okay? Um, so this is a, the biggest clothespin I've ever seen. <laughs> so we experience time moment by moment in a linear sense. So our moment, our moments 
began, let's say, when we were born. All right, so this giant one is going to represent uh, when, when you were born. And this other giant one is going to represent the, uh, another significant moment in time for us when we die. All right? So that'll kind of book in life on earth for us. Okay? So the big clothespins, birth, life. Um, that one might fall. Whoa. There we go. Good job, death. Okay. Um, so I'm going to put some other clothespins, maybe some other mile markers. So let's say, let's say that you're born. Let's say another one would be, let's say you get out of high school, maybe. Let's say that um, maybe you go to college or you go into the military or you go into the workforce or something. Um, let's say that maybe, maybe you kind of land like an awesome job that you love. That's another significant moment. Um, Maybe you meet your spouse. Maybe that's maybe those are close together, um, right? So you get married. Maybe uh, so it'll be marriage. Say a little bit later, you got maybe a kid, maybe twins. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, and let's say maybe down the road, um, maybe you become a grandparent down here somewhere. Um, let's put. Let's say, let's put salvation in here. Let's say, like, maybe close to there. Um, maybe, let's see, what else would be significant? Um, maybe you get saved there. Maybe you really understand Jesus. Maybe you're right in here somewhere. Maybe that's another marker. Um, let's say there's, you know, maybe there's some other ones through here or whatever. All right? So, let's say that time is moving this way for us. We're going from birth to death, and you're proceeding down this, this line, kind of like if you were listening to music or watching a movie or something, and how the, you know, you're kind of watching it pace like that. We experience time this way. It's moving, and so these significant things happen along the way, um, and as they come, you know, like it's, these are all great things. Uh, even death is great if you're a Christian, and so um, these things are happening, and that's kind of how time works for us. Um, and so by this, I would, I would say that we are, we experience time like inside of time. We're, we're moving with the, the seconds and the minutes and the hours and the days and the months and the years kind of that way. So we're, we're on this timeline and there are various ways that time impacts us. Um, there are physical ways that it impacts us. You know, we're you're born, and that's, that's physical. You're, you die, that's physical. You go through seasons of being sick and then being healthy. Um, you, uh, even the dying process, uh, like because we are in time, that's a part of it is that we grow older and older and older and older and older. And at some point, we pass away. Um, so we experience being in time. It has a physical impact. It has an emotional impact. You know, you, you hopefully get more mature as you move in this direction, you know, that would be the ideal. That has a mental impact. You know, at some point, back here, you didn't know how to, you didn't know how to talk, you know. So you had to learn. You had to learn the, uh, the alphabet. You had to learn your numbers, you know. And so you, you eventually, you, you learn how to read and to write and to add and to communicate. Um, you are learning those things. You get to, you get out of high school into that next stage, and maybe you're learning some sort of skill that, uh, turns into a job at some point, but you, there are things you didn't know before that you uh, 
are learning about and stuff and growing and becoming an expert in something. Or maybe you have kids and you go from not having a clue how to be a parent to being an awesome parent, like, you know, in no time. You learn all those things. You get a little further down here and you start to forget that stuff back there. So it kind of has the, it has a, time impacts us in a positive way mentally, like we're learning things, we're growing, but also kind of a negative way. You start to forget stuff, you know. Uh, you forget details about stuff that happened back then, or you'll kind of suddenly remember something that you'd forgotten at one point. And, um, you know, as you get older, you start to forget some, some things and that kind of stuff. And so time has a, a positive impact on us mentally and also sometimes as a negative one. Um, even spiritually, you know, there's a, there's a point, uh, I think this was the Jesus one. There's a point when you get saved, and so there's, a, there's like a pre-Jesus you, and then you meet Jesus, and then there's a post-Jesus you. So there's a, a progression of your holiness and growth and Christ-likeness that moves forward. Uh, but time kind of leads you to that point, and from there forward, things are different. And So we engage time in a, long, in a linear sense, along a line like this. One moment after the other, not real sure what happens next, kind of understanding what happened yesterday, not so much a year ago, not so much ten years ago, that kind of thing. Um, and so our whole lives on earth are marked by time. It's, it's split up, it's organized in that kind of way. And we have calendars and watches and these things that help us mark significant events like this. So as humans, you know, the, the main idea here is that uh, we, in, we interact with time like inside of this timeline. And as much as we try and escape some of these things, um, we can't escape the passing of time. So, like it or not, you're moving in that direction. You're moving toward your death. Um, you're, along this timeline, these, a lot of these are positive things, but we could hang um, clothespins for moments of loss and grief that are significant. Uh, really difficult years that we go through. Really dark seasons, confusing times. Uh, it's not all filled with positive stuff, um, but it's filled. And we cannot escape the growing older, the, like all the, that kind of stuff. So our engaging with time, this is a way to maybe kind of understand that a little bit. Okay, so um, switching to how God interacts with time. Um, I told you to go to 2 Peter 3. We're going to get there in a second, but we're going to throw some verses up on the screen that show us that God, in relation to time, very different than our relation to time. All right? Um, so, let's see. Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. All right, so this verse is saying that that kind of like, you know, you were born here in this moment. The mountains were born at a certain point, like he created them, spoke them into existence in, in some way. Um, the forma- formation of the earth and the world all had a beginning, but God didn't have a beginning. From everlasting to everlasting is another way of saying, like, all the way this way on the timeline and all the way that way on the timeline, you, you are God. 
So before the, the formation of the world, there was God. He exists. And so God is not limited to time in the way that you and I are limited to time. God doesn't have a string with a bunch of clothespins on it like we do. Where God's like, well, I was born, you know, in this part of whatever galaxy or whatever, because he made the galaxies. And he doesn't have a, a point where he began to exist. It's open-ended this way in, in our understanding of time. And there isn't a point where he will cease to exist. Um, and so even, even the things in our universe that we know about will cease to exist at some point. Um, but not, not our God. So he, his relationship to time is not like ours, where it's linear, moment by moment. He's always been, and he always will be. Uh, Job 36, 26 uh, says, Behold, God is great, and we know him not. The number of his years is unsearchable. All right? So expressing the same idea. Uh, Revelation 1, 8. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Okay? Who is, present tense, who was, past tense, who is to come, uh, future, since the beginning and the end, the Alpha, the Omega. This is how God is trying to help us understand something. It's almost like he's saying to creation, look, you have a, you have a definite beginning, and you have a definite end on this earth, but I'm not like you. I created you, but... God is telling us that he is not created. He has always been there, always will be there. Revelation 4, verse 8 uh, says the same thing. Uh, The four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes and around and within, and day and night. They never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Who was, who is, and is to come. God is is meeting us in our understanding of time. You know, like we don't really understand like eternity and infinity and all these like these boundless things. But it's almost like he's meeting us in our understanding and he's saying, well, it's kind of like this. Always been there and there now will always be there. Um, Endless. And so the angels are proclaiming that and they're declaring his holiness within this idea. So we see this separation that is forming, uh, once again, between God, the Creator, and us, the created. Again, emphasizing His holiness, His otherness, His set-apartness, however you want to think about it. So God does not interact with time the way that you and I do. We are on a timeline. He is not on a timeline. So far, we've just kind of talked these two different ways uh, that He doesn't engage with time. Um, but let me kind of jump off of last week a little bit. And him being unchangeable, this means that while you and I physically were born, we go through seasons of sickness and health and that kind of stuff. We grow, we get stronger, uh, all that kind of stuff. And at some point we get weaker and we pass away. God does not change physically. See, we grow old and die because that's a part of the impact that sin has had on us. God not, it was, is not impacted by sin in that way. And he doesn't interact with time in that way. So his eternal, infinite nature means that he doesn't, he doesn't change and morph and grow. Uh, he just is, always. 
he doesn't have the kind of thing that we have. Um, he doesn't uh, emotionally, you know, we grow and mature along this process, but God, like we said last week, doesn't, he doesn't need to morph or change or mature. He is holy. There's no improving upon him. Uh, there's also no negative change that comes. He doesn't uh, regress at all. Like he, he doesn't exist in a linear sense. He's outside of time and is unchanging emotionally. He doesn't change mentally. You know, so God is not learning new things. You, know? you and I are discovering stuff all the time. The internet has taken away uh, curiosity. You know? So if you're like, man, I wonder what the chief export of Portugal is, like you can find out in like two seconds. Like some of you probably already know because you Googled it that fast. Um, but God's not like, oh man, guess what I learned the other day? Guess what this article I saw? Guess what, you know, he's not, that's not how he functions. He doesn't, he's not linear like this where he's learning and learning and learning and learning. He also doesn't forget things the way that we do. He doesn't misplace stuff. He doesn't forget details. He... He's other. He's holy. Um, he doesn't evolve spiritually. He is who he is. And so, God being unlimited by time, um, again, emphasizes the fact that he, is just, he isn't like us. He's set apart. Um, in 2 Peter 3.8, we see something about God that I really think... That, that I really thinks. That doesn't make sense. That me really thinks, I'm just kidding, uh, is a difference maker. Because probably, you know, this little illustration, you know, maybe that's familiar to you. Maybe you're like, yeah, I know he's always been there. He always will be there. Stuff like that. Second Peter 3.8 says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. What does that mean? <laughs> well, some would, some, you know, at first you're kind of like, well, that just means that time goes by really fast for the Lord, you know? So we might be waiting and waiting and waiting for something or for the return of Christ, but like, yeah, but it's like, man, a thousand years is like a blink of an eye for, for God. That's, that's not really what, it, what is being said here. So we experience time inside this timeline. God experiences time outside of this timeline. So while we only know moment by moment, or what, has, what we've already passed, God looks at this, this timeline of someone's life, and he sees all of it at once. He's not waiting for the next clothespin. He looks at all of life, all of your life, all of my life, and he sees everything in full detail. So the verse, with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. Okay, well, it could mean that what seems like a long time to us is not a long time to God. Yes. It also means that a thousand years ago is just as vivid to him as yesterday. So if I were to ask you what you had for lunch yesterday, you probably remember. If you ate lunch yesterday, you probably could remember what it was and tell me. If I ask you what you ate on October 11th, 2013, 
maybe you tweeted about it, and you could pull up time hop and whatever, and there it is. But probably, you can't just recall that. And definitely, if I ask you in 2009, October 11th, what did you eat, or whatever. So, you and I cannot, we can't even look at what's behind us with a vivid recall. God not only sees what has happened, but what is happening and what will happen in complete, vivid detail, and nothing is lost or forgotten. He sees it all at once. A thousand years ago, he sees it. And not only like in one place, but everywhere at one time. Because he's not limited to a timeline, he's outside of this timeline, and he's able to see all these things in someone's life in complete perfect, uh, perfection and precision and with great detail. And that's a significant thing. We're going to come to that in just a second. Um, keep that in mind. A thousand years is as a day. Uh, he sees every moment that will occur. Um, he doesn't forget. He doesn't lose track of details. Um, past, present, future, it's all perfectly vivid to him. Um, so what does this have to do with us? You know, This directly impacts um, everything about our relationship with our God. He's outside of time. We are in time. So let me, let me mess with this a little bit. Let me take this off. Okay. So death isn't there. Let me back this up a little bit. Um, take away some of these significant moments. And uh, instead of this representing death, okay, let's, let's make, this might tump this over with. Let me see. Yeah. Okay. Let's make the big clothespin, let's make this, this moment right now. So there's birth, and there's like all these significant moments, great ones, terrible ones, however you want to think about it, moment by moment by moment by moment. And this is you sitting in the sanctuary at Grace Baptist tonight. And there's all this stuff ahead. And you know at some point there's a big death clothespin waiting for you. But you don't know when. You don't know what happens next in your timeline. But God totally knows. In fact, he sees everything with the kind of clarity that you and I see yesterday. The kind of clarity that you and I see this moment. He sees everything about your entire existence. So our good and beautiful God, who's outside of time, not needing a thing, not lacking in any kind of way, not changing, not shifting, not having a bad day, just maintaining that holy, perfect character, keeping his promises and every single purpose and every attribute, uh, completely being full all the time, looks at us and makes a choice. So I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 4. Here's, here's where God being eternal 
as a theological concept and as an attribute of God, here's how it makes a difference to you on a Tuesday. All right? Although he is outside of time, we are inside time, he is chosen to meet us in the moment. He's chosen to interact with us in a linear sense, to join us in time, in this moment right now. Galatians 4, verse 4, says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Look at verse, verse 4, that phrase, when the fullness of time had come, that God, being outside of time, and seeing all of it at once, chose to look at, at the linear, moment-by-moment moment unfolding of humanity. And he said, I know the perfect moment to send Jesus. I know the perfect moment in time for that to happen. How does he know? Well, because he's outside of time. So he sees all of the moments. He sees all of the possibilities. He sees everything that is, that is happening, and he knows the right exact moment when that needs to happen. He meets humanity on the timeline and says, all right, the fullness of time has come. If you switch gears and you think of this as a, as a narrative storyline, you know, there's creation and then there's maybe the fall of, of man and then he starts to make these covenant promises with Abraham and they, they, uh, generation to generation they unfold and the prophets and there's all these kind of things and then, boom, the fullness of time had come. It's just the perfect moment. Because he's outside of time and he has that kind of wisdom And so our shepherd king chooses to meet us in the moment. He sees events happening in time, and he meets us there. And that makes a difference on a Tuesday. You don't need to turn to it, but in Acts chapter 17, we see a a very similar uh, set of ideas. Uh, Verse 30, the times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he's fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. God acts in time. He meets us in the timeline. And he decided that, okay, from this point forward, let's say that now the big close pen, let's say he's Jesus. From this time forward, there's going to be a different kind of accountability and a different kind of expectations and stuff because he knows that there's also a day coming of judgment when Christ is going to be the standard by which everyone is judged. And so him being outside of time is able to to guide and ordain and empower and work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He sees it all because he's outside of it. And yet, here we are, not really knowing what's going to happen in five minutes, you know. Here we are, unsure of the coming week, 
or these months or whatever ahead of us. And here's God, completely in the know. And he chooses to meet us at, in these moments. So I want to give you four, four takeaways, and there could, be, there could be 400 takeaways from this. Let me just give you four that maybe, maybe will help you, I hope. Maybe encourage us along the way. Here's the first one. That when Jesus came to the earth and was preaching, uh, if you've been around the ring for a while, you've, you've probably heard this in, on Sundays or in community group or whatever, but the predominant message that he brought was that the kingdom of God is here. That Jesus himself was bringing the kingdom to the earth, and through him, people can now live in a different, a different kind of world. A world where everything is ex- exactly as it should be. Um, a world where God takes what, what has been turned upside down and he sets it right side up. A world of justice, a world of peace, um, a world where righteousness is, uh, is how his people live. Um, a world where it's not about self-centeredness and pride. Um, so Jesus comes in and he goes around and he says, uh, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, meaning uh, change the way that you think, because I'm bringing bringing a new set of possibilities to you. That before Jesus came, we could not live in the kingdom. We lived in the kingdom of this world. And he comes in and said, hey, there's a whole new life that's possible for you now. So, if this, going back to, I know I've changed this line a bunch. Now, it's you again, right? If... Jesus comes to us in the moment, and he says, the kingdom of God is now. That heaven is now. And that's what he preached, and that's what he taught, and that's what the the early church, that's what they preached, and that's what they taught. And for a long, long, long time, that's what churches have supposed to have been teaching, is um, heaven is not something we just wait for. Like, one day everything's going to be fine. It's like, no, things can be fine today. Even in the midst of a lot of chaos and a lot of pain and a lot of weird stuff that we live in, we can make a choice to live in the kingdom today. This is possible because our God is outside of time. That he sees the entire thing that has played out. And so when, when we, we place our faith in Christ and we are engaging with him and we are living from him, he helps us live in a, very, in a very unique way, kind of outside of time like that. The heaven is not just a future thing. Heaven is a Jesus thing. And when Jesus meets you in the moment, you have access to this kingdom right now. And so when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go to wherever, and God is, is stirring you up and he's leading you and he's saying, live in the kingdom, make decisions inside the kingdom, what would, life on the, what would life look like if sin was vacuumed out of it? Um, well, there would be justice, and there would be peace, and there would be love. And he's like, okay, do that. I'm going to empower you to do that. The God who is outside of time is allowing us to access something that's greater than ourselves, which is him and his kingdom at work among us. So we are incorrect to think that, f- that heaven is only a future thing. 
Because heaven is not a linear thing. It's not an in-time thing. Heaven is an outside-of-time thing. So our God meets us in the moment and says, let's bring heaven to work. Let's bring heaven to your classroom. Let's bring heaven to your apartment or to your home or to your neighborhood. Uh, so that's kind of the first point. That's a, lot of, that's a long, long thing to write. But that heaven can be real now. The kingdom can be real now because God is outside of time and we're connecting to something greater than ourselves. That's the first thing. Second thing. You're moving down the timeline. Here you are today. And you are begging God for something. You're begging him to intervene. Your life, someone else's life, some sort of situation. There's something that's happening. And it really seems like he's saying no. Or he's saying not yet. Or he's doing my personal favorite, which is like silence. <laughs> and that's my favorite because you can interpret it like one of like a billion ways and they're all negative. Uh, God being outside of time and him being your shepherd, king, prophet, and priest, all those things, means that he's going to meet you in the moment. And if, he, if you're begging him to, to intervene in something and he's saying no, or he's saying not yet, or he's saying nothing, to remember that he is outside of time, and that he is unchangeable in his character and in his nature. And he can only be holy and love and goodness. Then his no, or his not yet, or his silence is the best thing that you can hear from him in that moment. And his intervention, which will come, will come in your own fullness of time kind of moment. And maybe it's right there. Like maybe it's just right there. Maybe it's a little further down. But as you move down that timeline, he knows. And he's moving all the pieces into place and he's, He's getting things ready. The 23rd Psalm where it says that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And maybe you'll recall that there's, a, there's language in the Hebrew that talks about like a, the strategy of an army. And a general who has a, who the table that he prepares is like in a war room where there's a big map. And they're figuring out how to, where to line up the troops and how to you know, flank from this side and all this kind of stuff. There's a strategy that's there. So him preparing the table before you is him strategically getting ready to intervene at just the right moment. And that sometimes is a terrible place to be because you don't know what's ahead and you don't know how far down the line that intervention is. But to be reminded that he is out, up here, he's outside of this, and he's seeing every moment in its fullness and just because you don't know, doesn't mean that he doesn't know. Maybe that brings a little bit of hope to you. So that's the second thing. Um, the third thing is this, and it's kind of related, but kind of not. Maybe you're not in a crisis. You know? 
Maybe, maybe like, you know, things are going well, you're just, you know, whatever. Um, for Jesus to, to see all of this in fullness, to look at your whole life, the whole timeline of your life, and not only your life, but like billions of other lives all around you, why, why would you not, why would I not pray? And ask and listen. Why would we make decisions without, like, bringing Jesus into it? You don't know what's coming next. He does know what's coming next. But so many times we go with worldly wisdom, we go with logic, we go with these things. We're prayerless a lot of times about stuff. And when Jesus is going, like, "Hey, I kind of I know what I, I see what's coming." And I would like to shepherd you perfectly along the timeline. So for him to say, like, hey, this is an unwise choice, I really believe that his perspective is one that should be sought probably more, more than we do. And even if you're like hardcore prayer warrior, there's probably more, just more pressing in that can happen. And so that's how this, this God being eternal, it makes a difference. It impacts our relationship with him because we don't know what's happening next. And our shepherd, who leads us to green pastures and still waters and quiets our souls and leads us through the valley of the shadow of death and all those things that the 23rd Psalm really is true about, He wants to guide us from that outside of time perspective. So maybe praying more will be a takeaway. Fourth thing. If you struggle with forgiveness of your sins, Jesus goes to the cross, dies for your sins, and you're like, yeah, but... What about, what about all of this stuff behind me? And it's like, oh, well, he's outside of time. So when he died for your sins, he saw it all, not only from like birth to when maybe you came to know him, but also from there to this moment, but also from this moment through all the other moments. And him being outside of time still was like, hey, guess what? I'm going to shed my blood for your redemption and your forgiveness and your, like to cross you from death into life. A life that has no end, that there's this endless timeline going that way. So although there's a physical death that's coming, there's eternal life that's there, that Jesus saw all of it and died for all of it. And so when we see in the scriptures or we sing songs that talk about his death being once for all, it's talking about people but his blood was holistic for you. Every moment of that timeline, forgiven and taken care of. One death for all people, for all of his children, for all of their sins, inside of time, covered for eternity, because he's out here. So if you wrestle with things that have happened in your past, or things that are going on now, or fears about future struggles and stumbling and falling and all that kind of stuff. You need to know Jesus died for the whole thing. 
Not just from this moment past or for this moment forward. Or, he doesn't chop it up because he's outside of time and he sees it all and he says, worth it. Worth it. No one took his life. He gave it up. So God being eternal, not being limited by time the way that we are, massively important. Makes such a difference in our lives. Like I said, I, we could keep going with ways that this applies, but I, I think you kind of see he is worthy of worship because of stuff like this. Like just him alone being up outside of time makes him worthy. But the fact that he loves you enough to meet you in time, to guide you and shepherd you and care for you and provide, help you avoid things, encourage you into stuff, even to say no or be silent sometimes because that's good, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So I hope that these things stir you in a, in a, in a sense of awe, but also... They're a reminder of your incredible worth and value to Christ. Let's pray. Let's stand as we pray. Lord God, I'm so grateful for the way that all these ideas about you just, they fit together. And each one helps us understand the previous ones and the ones that are to come. Our desire is to know you deeply. I'm so grateful, Father, that you, um, you look at our lives and you love us enough to, to meet us where we are. You don't get hung up on our past the way that we do. You aren't fearful of the future the way that we are. And yet you come to us and you, you encourage us to take heart because you've overcome. You've already won. You've sealed our future. It's guaranteed. There's nothing... Nothing left to be determined. It's, it's covered. And, and while we're moving moment by moment, unsure of what's ahead, to know that we are kept perfectly by the holy God of the universe, I pray that you would help us to live with a deeper sense of awe and amazement. But also that you would help us to see the worth that you place on us. Not that we have earned or deserve in, the, in those ways, but you love us simply because you love us. That you've created us and redeemed us, saved us from things that we could not save ourselves from. And So as we respond a little bit through song, I just ask God that you would help us spark some things, help us to to continue just to see you for who you are.